You're listening to The Relevant Truth Podcast. My name is Roger Mason. This podcast is dedicated to examining biblical truth. The Bible is overflowing with relevant truth useful in our everyday lives. Thus the title, Relevant Truth. The Bible was relevant to those that first heard it through the apostles and prophets. It is also timeless truth, which means that is relevant for us today in the 21st century. It is my hope that through this podcast, you will be both encouraged and challenged as we look at the Bible together. In today's podcast, we want to look at Luke chapter 12, the parable of the foolish farmer. There are many ways people look at life. Some think that this life is all that there is, and they better make the best of it. This was the way that this rich farmer in this parable lived his life. This material world is not all that there is. This parable sounds a warning. Don't forget God. That's the big idea in our message today. So let's look at Luke chapter 12, reading verses 13 to 21, reading from the New King James Version. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? He said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. He thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. As we read from the scriptures, Jesus was asked while teaching one day to settle a family dispute over the distribution of an estate. Rabbis were often asked to make decisions on disputed points of the law. There are many people who want Jesus to solve their problems, but they don't necessarily want Jesus to change their hearts. I meet people who want God to fix their problems all the time but they are not willing or interested in God working in their character. Character is the thing that God is most interested in, our Christian character. The man wanted Jesus to exercise his authority over a family matter. The man was asking Jesus for a decision in his favor without looking at the merits of the case. How often do we call on God to do something in our favor because we believe that we are the righteous one in this dispute? We believe we are being treated unfairly by others. We pray with prejudice and without objectivity. One person prays for good weather and no rain because his family is going camping that week. 
But a farmer prays the opposite. He prays for rain because his crops need the rain. Who is God going to answer? Both of these persons prayed according to what they wanted. Both prayed with prejudice. How is God to answer these prayers? A missionary friend of mine told a story about a man who was praying for a wife. This was his prayer. Lord, I pray for a wife. Let it be Maria. He prayed with prejudice. He wanted Maria to be his wife, but Maria had no interest in him. How is God going to answer that kind of prayer? James 4 and verse 3 says this, You ask and do not receive, because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Jesus knew that this family feud over money was only a symptom of a greater problem. Jesus refused to grant the request in verse 14. Jesus then used the opportunity to teach a lesson. Look at Luke 12, verse 15. Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. This is what the parable talks about, that very idea, that life does not consist in the abundance of the things that we possess. Covetousness means literally to desire to have more. Verse 15 reads this way in the New Living Translation. Real life is not measured by how much we own. The Message Bible says it this way. Life is not defined by what we have, even when we have a lot. Luke 12 and verse 15 in the New Living Translation. Jesus issues this warning. Beware, don't be greedy for what you don't have. The New King James Version uses the word covetousness. The newer translations use the word greed. Guard yourself against covetousness or greed. Take positive steps of action to stop from falling into greed. A greedy person is one who thinks that the abundance of things is the key to a successful life. He who dies with the most things wins. That's their philosophy. Jesus makes it clear in this parable that an abundance of things could make a person a failure. This parable can be used as a spiritual inventory for examining our heart. Let's look at three things that this foolish farmer never saw. The first thing that this farmer never saw was beyond himself. Verses 17 and 18. It reads this way in Luke 12. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store up all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Notice that I emphasize the personal pronouns in those three verses. This parable presents a wealthy farmer with a plentiful crop. Verse 16 says, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. Have you ever seen the parable so full of personal pronouns? I, me, my. There are 11 personal pronouns in these three verses, verses 17 to 19. These words reflect the rich man's inner thoughts. His thoughts betrayed his self-centeredness. 
he thought a lot about himself. The harvest created a problem for this farmer. He has nowhere to store his abundant harvest. This farmer never saw the hand of God in his harvest. He never saw beyond himself. He did not consider the possibility of utilizing his abundance to benefit others, to give to the poor, to give to the needy. This man's attitude was totally contrary to the teachings of the Bible. This man found his happiness in hoarding his abundance instead of giving to others. This farmer had more than he could ever use, yet he hoarded it for himself. Verse 19 says this, And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Notice his possessiveness. He talked about my barns, my crops, my goods, my soul. He had the future all planned out, everything under control, or so he thought. Filled with selfishness, the farmer decided to retire and to live a life of ease. He was going to take his ease, to rest, to retire, to eat, drink, and be merry. Freedom 55. At 55, you can retire, have a person manage your wealth so that you can party and vacation for the rest of your life and never run out of money. That was his attitude. A Roman proverb says this, Money is like seawater. The more you drink, the thirstier you become. You might say, I'm not like this farmer because I'm not rich. But a poor man can be just as self-centered and materialistic as the rich man in this parable. There's a whole generation that has been called the me generation because of this characteristic of self-centeredness. It is a prevailing cultural attitude that has become an attitude in the church as well. This farmer never saw beyond himself. He didn't see the needs of others around him. He was merely concerned only for himself. Number one, that's me. He was full of greed and selfishness. I've heard it said that the material blessings of life are either a mirror in which we see ourselves or a window through which we see God. When we look at material things that we have, do we think about God or do we think about ourselves? The Bible teaches us that the believer is to be generous with his material wealth. Don't withhold, don't hold back from giving. Proverbs 3 verses 27 and 28. This is from the New Living Translation. Do not withhold goods from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow and then I will help you. Matthew 5 and verse 42. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. God will reward us or bless us for our generosity. Proverbs 19 verse 17. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. And then Proverbs 22 and verse 9. Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. And then lastly, 2 Corinthians 9 
verses 6 to 11. This is, these are all from the New Living Translation. Remember this, a farmer who planted only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each make up your mind as to how much you should give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, godly people give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will never be forgotten, for God is the one who gives seed to the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will give you many opportunities to do good. He will produce a great harvest of generosity for you. Yes, you will be enriched so that you can give even more generously. And when we take our gifts to those who need them, they will break out in thanksgiving to God. This rich farmer was full of greed and hoarded his wealth. The Bible teaches us that what a man attempts to save or gain in his life, he ultimately will lose it. Mark 8, verse 36, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? The accumulated wealth of this entire world is of no profit to us if we lose our soul. This rich farmer never saw beyond himself. Let's move on to the second thing that this farmer never saw. He never saw beyond this world. Verses 19 and 20. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? All his thoughts and his plans were made on the basis of life in this world. All that is in this world around me is all that there is, so he thought. All that counts and all that matters is what I am facing in this life right now. The philosophy of naturalism, a worldview that says the only things that exist are those things which are physical, and anything outside of this physical world does not exist. The supernatural or the spiritual is not real and cannot be believed because it can't be proven by scientific method. This physical world is all that there is. This worldview is a common way of thinking, a common way of life for many people today. The majority of people today ignore eternity and live their lives based on what they have experienced in this material world. This is the way that the rich farmer thought. This is the way that he lived his life. On the assurance of a prosperous harvest, this farmer was ready to retire. I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. He could rest in his riches. He made several false assumptions. The first false assumption is this. His soul could be satisfied by material things. 
The human soul can never be satisfied by material things. No matter how many things a man has, there will always be one more thing to acquire. Man was created by God and the soul was never created to be satisfied by material things. The rich are so often unhappy. In an article called Unhappy Millionaires, it tells us that wealth often amplifies one's demons. Many people that are rich are not happy. It was St. Augustine who said this, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Our soul can only be satisfied by God, and that's how he created us. The second false assumption is this, his wealth would last for many years. Life is full of unexpected circumstances. A job loss can remove our source of income overnight. Every rich man in the world is in the same vulnerable position. What vulnerable position? Death. Death will rob a wealthy person of his riches in an instant. We can have it all in this life but death will take it all away from us. Our material wealth cannot be brought into the next life. This man assumed he would be able to enjoy his wealth for many years, but he was wrong. The third false assumption is this, that he would live to enjoy his riches. James 4, verses 13 to 15. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and we shall do this or that. That's the advice of James. Our plans are always tentative. God could have other plans for us. The farmer in this parable and the person in James chapter 4 both had a business plan based on what they knew, but they didn't include God in their planning. We have no guarantee that we have life tomorrow. This man assumed that he would live a long time to enjoy his riches. The Bible tells us that life is a vapor or a puff of steam. How do you know what will happen tomorrow? For life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. That's James 4 and verse 14 in the New Living Translation. And my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but a vapor. That's Psalm 39, verse 5. That same verse in the New Living Translation reads this way, An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. Many people live their life without a belief in God, heaven, hell, or eternity in their worldview. These people are short-sighted. A young, ambitious man shared his vision of the future with his teacher. He said to the teacher, I will learn a trade. The teacher said, then I will set up my business. 
Then I will make a fortune. Then I will retire. Then I will live on my money that I've earned. Then I guess I will die. Then the young man had not given any thought to his eternal destiny. What was his destiny beyond this life? All of his ambitions and all of his efforts were put into creating a comfortable life for himself by earning money. But what about the life beyond this? What about eternity? Are we preparing for that? Are we thinking about that? Do we have a plan for beyond this life? This young man did not. This farmer in the parable made no preparation for death or for eternity. The Bible says, But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? That's verse 20. The Message Bible says it this way, Just then God showed up and said, Fool, tonight you will die, and your barn full of goods, who will get it? What will become of all your money once you're dead? The Bible says this rich farmer was a fool because he made no preparations for eternity. What is a fool? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God, according to Psalm 14 and verse 1. They live life as if God doesn't exist or matter. They live without any consideration for God at all. That is the way that the man in this parable lived. He was called a fool. He died that night and his riches were no good to him anymore. They were passed on to someone else. This man thought that life was all about accumulating things and that death was far away. He was short-sighted. He had no view of eternity. No doubt after the funeral, someone asked, how much did he leave behind? The answer would be, everything. Too bad this fellow died just when he had everything going for him. How tragic he could not enjoy his wealth. All he lived for was his wealth. But when he died, he left it all behind. This rich farmer never saw beyond this world and therefore never made any preparations for eternity. The last thing that this farmer never saw was the importance of making God a priority in his life. Verse 21, it reads this way, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This statement is the key truth in this story. The parable shows the futility of accumulating wealth alone without any consideration of God. Spiritual things, including relationship with God, didn't hold any value to this farmer. When he faced God at death, he left his earthly wealth behind, and he was not rich in the things that counted for eternity. He spent his earthly life laying up treasure for himself. Death took all of this away from him. What we do in this life must count for eternity. It is important for us to invest in eternity. It is important that we live our lives in view of eternity. He was not rich towards God, verse 21 tells us. What does this mean to be rich towards God? 
It means to acknowledge that what we have comes from God, to use what he gives us for the good of others, to use our wealth to glorify God. That's what it means to be rich towards God. We may enjoy wealth, but we also must employ wealth to glorify God and to bless others. This is the will of God. Wealth is not our God. It's not the thing to be worshipped. Wealth is a God when we seek it, we pursue it, we think about it, we dream about it, we give all of our time and attention to it. It's our God when we do these things. Wealth is only a tool in life that we use to reach God-given goals. This farmer was living in a false success. In the eyes of man, he was wise and successful, but in the eyes of God, he was a fool and a failure. He had all the things that money could buy, but he lost the thing that money could not buy. Many of us have a false view of success. We believe in the world's definition of success, but it's false. Jesus saw no security in earthly things. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth or rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Material things on earth can be destroyed. They can rust, they can wear out, they can be taken from us. Jesus says that the only investments not subject to loss are treasures in heaven. We are to invest in eternity. Matthew 6 verses 19 and 20, it says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Jesus was saying, do not give priority to this, but give priority to that. Do not give priority to earthly treasures, but give priority to treasures in heaven. If your treasure is money in a safety deposit box, then your heart and your desire is also going to be there, stuck in a safety deposit box. If your treasure is in heaven, your interests and your heart will be centered there, in heaven. What we put our time, energy, and money into, that is where our treasure is. Matthew 6 and verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. If you will put God's interests first in your life, he will guarantee your future needs. That's what that verse means. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we will carry nothing out. That's 1 Timothy 6 and verse 7. Think about this. There are three times in life when we have empty hands. At our birth, when we come into this world, at the time that we come to Jesus for salvation, and at our death. All three of these times, we come empty-handed with nothing to offer but ourselves. Jim Elliot, a missionary killed by Indians in the Amazon, said this, He is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Think about that one. A lot of truth in that. 
The greatest tragedy in this story was not what the man left behind, but what lay before him. Eternity without God. To live without God in this life is to live without God in eternity. And believe me, living without God in eternity is not fun. This man lived without God and he died without God. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and he sells all that he has and buys that field. In this parable, the man stumbled on a treasure in a field. He made every effort to obtain that field and its treasure. To legally own the field meant that he legally owned the treasure in the field. The central truth being taught here is the immense value of the kingdom, which far outweighs any sacrifice or any inconvenience or anything one might encounter in this world. Do you understand the immense value of knowing God? All that this world can offer you is nothing compared to knowing God and heavenly treasures. This rich man had success, satisfaction, and security from this world's perspective. He prided himself on his intellect, his success, his efficiency, his foresight in doing business. That he had plans to retire and to live comfortably for years to come. He lost it all in an instant. God called this man a fool. I urge you not to make the same mistake as this man did. He never saw beyond himself. He never saw beyond this world. He never saw the importance of making God a priority in his life. Mm -hmm.